0: Hi, I'm Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and you're listening to Clerical Errors Podcast. Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bullhagen. This
1: is Berg. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. And uh, no vicar. We're in yeah, between it, vicars now. It's like old times again.
0: Yep. Just <laughs> you, you, me, and Pete. Like the original Beatles. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I want to say yes.
2: <laughs> Which Beatle am I?
0: Um... <laughs> uh, all right, wait. All right, now, now we have to do this. Now we have to figure out, like, we have to pick one vicar to be the other beetle, right? So, uh, I would say uh, Berg, you're probably John Lennon, kind of the uh, guy who thinks too much. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: I, who am I? Am I R- 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 Ringo? <laughs> Wasn't Ringo brought on later? Didn't he replace another, okay. a, a different Beatle? We know nothing about the Beatles.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know
0: why yeah. I started talking about the Beatles when I know nothing
1: about the Beatles. <laughs> well, I mean, this is clerical errors, so yeah, you know, <laughs> well, your
2: favorite Beatles podcast,
1: right? Right. Uh, so,
0: are you Ron or are you DMC? That's what I want, <laughs> want to know, <laughs> Flame. I'm Jazzy Jeff, and you're Fresh Prince.
1: <laughs>
0: all right, all right. So uh, I've got an Arizona iced tea. Uh, I do want to to I have just like I don't know anything about what's going with with the Beatles. I have no idea what's what's going on in the convention because none of our listeners has given given us an update. But I want to say a little bit of something about uh, LCMS convention simply because. Uh, uh, I noticed the last convention when we put convention somewhere in the title, we got a lot more listeners. So when people are looking <laughs> looking for oh, and if there's anything news on the LCMS convention, clerical errors pops up. So good convention today so far. <laughs> what do you think?
2: <laughs>
1: um, sure,
2: yeah. <laughs> really, we've done, re- we've done episodes before where we say in parentheses not clickbait. Let's just call this convention update twenty twenty three. Uh, you're, you made it this far, listener. You made it you know, <laughs> what, four minutes in. Congratulations. We lied. <laughs>
0: yes. So welcome to the Clerical Heirs podcast. <laughs> I hope
2: you liked the Beatles.
0: Yes. Right. <laughs> so, Peter, you have to then now, what you have to do is you have to start off, okay? We'll, we'll bring the listener onto the the production meeting here. Yeah, yeah okay, uh, okay. We'll have to do the Clerical Heirs rap at the beginning. So people are like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is really sanctioned.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is this is legit. <laughs> I don't want to do the rap though. Okay, so <laughs> I want to just do the original. Just okay, put put the rap at, the end. The, rap at the end. Put the rap at the end. So if they yeah, want to yeah.
0: hear it, they can hear it.
2: I'll, I'll that, that's it one of, that's
0: one of Hannah's favorite moments, Peter. That's Hannah the rap?
2: Oh yeah,
0: she loves the rap. She loves the Harrison, You sound rap.
2: really convincing right now. <laughs> I I, I, I
0: Hey, look at me. Got the close-up camera. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> hannah please hannah hannah
2: clear this up for us clear this up for us okay i said oh really that's your that's her favorite you went oh oh yeah Uh uh-huh uh kind of
0: like jonah when he wanted to (laughs) like want to like food and you could tell he didn't like it how's his taste jonah "Eh,
1: it's pretty good (laughs) it's good yeah
0: oh boy Uh, so um for for content today uh um, with, uh, I've got, uh, had a burial today. I got a funeral tomorrow. So, um, but I know Berg has something he's fired up about. Uh, Ver- Berg's been f- just chomping at the bit. He has so much catch-up work to do in the podcast. So much things, so many things he wanted to bring up that, uh, uh, once we're done with our convention news, um, and talking about the text, <laughs> we'll, we'll, get to your confounded clerics. So Hannah, please clear that up, by the way, clear that up for us, so. So, Bert, you said, uh, I, it's, we asked well, before the show, our show prep was, uh, talking about, uh, the text a little bit. And it's, it's, it's the one, if you've been listening for more than a year, you know that this text isn't my,
1: my favorite every,
0: <laughs> every year.
1: <laughs> See, like the, I said, I, I think this text is pretty simple that it has to do with wealth and a right use of wealth. But, right. you know, um, so I figured, you know, rather than, you know, rehash this, why not, look at, uh, why not look at the lectionary and see what the lectionary has to say about it, right? Okay. And the Lutheran Missile Project has gospel lessons for both the Wednesdays and the Fridays of, you know, the week that follows this one. Right. So I figured we could take a look at those texts and see how they inform our understanding of the dishonest manager, the shrewd servant. Uh, Just to give you uh, a rundown of the parable of the shrewd servant, Jesus is talking to uh, his disciples, and he tells a parable about a man who is calling his steward to account, says basically, uh, what's this I've been hearing about you? Turn in the books. The dude's like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I can't beg, and I'm too weak to work. So what am I gonna what am I gonna do? He goes ahead and he cuts the debts of other people uh, by you know twenty percent or so, and then they are to welcome him into their houses. The master of the house commends the shrewd servant, and Jesus ends with, um, you know, with kind of the, make uh,
0: friends for yourselves by so, means of unrighteous wealth. So when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings.
1: Right. So that's basically. The rundown probably a little longer than it needed to be, but you know, that's the way we go, right? It's a podcast; you wanted to listen to us, so, so Berg, what's the uh, what's the
0: uh, missile? Do you want to do the missile for the uh, Wednesday before or after from the
1: Lutheran Missile Project? Um, so here are the readings. uh
2: for oh, and actually, before we get into that, I'm sorry to derail you immediately, but it's been a while since we talked about it. What's the Lutheran Missile Project? Because to me, it sounds like. A weapons uh, system of some kind, like we were talking about a few weeks ago. Well,
1: you know, the Lutheran Missile Project, M I S S A L, uh, is a project that has uh, been in the works for a while. They have been trying to find all of the texts for the one year lectionary that are common to not only pre Reformation, oh. but also uh, post Reformation. And. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Bullhagen drank. drank the wrong, yeah, he
2: drank from the, the, the wrong, wrong
0: tea.
1: Ugh. So it's like, why is my tea lumpy? But <laughs> this, this is not how you should feel about the Lutheran missile project, dear listener. Uh, uh, I need to clean <laughs> off my desk because I just drank from the wrong tea.
0: <laughs> what was that? Back to the convention. So, what are we talking? To? Oh, no. Seriously, I had something clumpy just go down my
1: throat from my tea. Like that's not right. Up. All right. Um, so uh, the interesting thing is is that people's critique against the one year is that, well, there isn't a lot of Bible, right? But the mm-hmm. thing is, is that uh, there were readings for the Wednesdays and the Fridays. And so the Lutheran Missile Project has done a great job going through Advent and Lent and providing good resources for things like midweek services and the like. And these texts really do weave in together with uh, with uh, uh, the Sunday's reading. So that's right. why I kind of want to do this and really see what did the church think about these readings, right? What did it think about the parable of the shrewd servant? Uh, and the reading for uh, the Wednesday after Sunday, when this drops— is a continuation of that section of Scripture, Luke 16, verses 10 through 15. Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No man, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So, to me, this extension of the text just shows that this is all about money and that money is kind of like the training wheels for eternal life. Okay. So, meaning what God is doing here is he's actually testing us, testing us to see if we can handle wealth. Because if you can't handle the least of things, how will you be entrusted with true riches? If you can't deal with unrighteous mammon without being unjust, how are you going to deal with? the things that actually do matter, the eternal riches uh, and the things of eternal life. And so once again, wealth is a... Yeah, I mean, the best way to kind of view wealth is, like I said, like training wheels or a strider bike like my son has. It's getting used to the real thing. So, and of course, the Pharisees, who are lovers of money, derided him for this. And the reasons why they were lovers of money... Is the same reason that Tevius sings about it in Fiddler on the Roof. Do you guys remember that? Uh if, no. If I were a rich man, yeah and he okay. sings. So uh but the final stanza there is actually the most telling because he says, If I were a rich man, I'd sit in you know in the synagogue all day, I'd study the holy books with the learned men, and that would be the best of all. And this is a very pharisaical view, that in order to devote yourself wholly to the life of God, you need to be rich, because if you're rich, then that means you have leisure, you have time to study. And if you have time to study, then you can devote yourself wholly to the Word of God. Right. Um, and I I, th- and I see that sometimes—I think we
0: fall into that all the time, is when we, th- we think of someone who has more money, we think to ourselves, oh, they don't have any problems— <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and what does the famous sage say? Mo money, mo problems. There you go. So <laughs> so we should actually view our wealth as the like I said, the the bicycle, you know, the the training wheels or the pull ups, maybe is a better word. The pull-ups is actually you, if going you can't, on the body.
0: So if you can't handle your wealth, then how do you expect to handle the mysteries of God? If it, if you can't exactly. handle all of that, the treasures of this earthly life, and that becomes uh, you are God. Just imagine how, uh, historic, from a historical point of view, how um, the authority of God's Word and the authority of the Church has been misplaced and misunderstood, where that could not be handled, where the Word of God was wound up being a, uh, a tool, to whether it's to control people, to control political power, uh, to abuse people—
1: uh, when in actuality, it's it's none of that. Um, well, well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that actually gets us into Friday's gospel lesson. Okay, do you want to hear that? Yeah, I, Peter,
0: uh, if you could just look up if someone drinks like a two-week-old Arnold Palmer that's lumpy, if they get some sort of E. coli poisoning. I got a funeral tomorrow. <laughs> I'm I'm been okay. I'm I'm a. Yeah, I'm uh, preoccupied that, uh, like, I'm going to— Like, literally, I felt like a clump from uh, an Arnold Palmer go down my throat.
1: Disgusting. (laughs) So, anyway, um, the Friday (laughs) reading is from Luke 11, verses 37 through 46. Okay. And as Jesus spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manners of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These things ought you to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things you reproach us also. And he said, to hi- "And he said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. So here you get I think to the origin, wealth in and of itself is not a bad thing. But what is the problem? It's the heart. The so this heart. Is, this is why Jesus talks about the inside of the cup, right? That right. The Pharisees have a bad inside. And the Pharisees might not be looking for wealth, like money wealth, but what are they? what kind of wealth are they looking for? Well, you see a lot of different kinds of wealth here in this text— They love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. The lawyers have wealth because they can load men with burdens, but they themselves do not touch the burdens with one of their fingers. And so there are more kinds of wealth out there than simple money wealth. Um, Money, attention,
0: uh, power, ease of life, comfortability, basically all those things that money can buy, (laughs) Right, a lot of them.
1: Um, And and, so, to address
0: the the what's in the heart, the the, the interesting thing about that is the only way that can really be addressed is through the gospel, Uh, because the gospel is what changes the heart. The gospel is by which we uh, can truly love God and love our neighbors, because we are a new creation, forgiven and free. And when it becomes a law, it becomes an argument of salvation by a law or being right with God by the law. Uh, you wind up with what's the bare minimum, which is what the Pharisees were trying to do here as well. Um, I've done the easy part that doesn't that doesn't bother me, uh, without actually caring truly about what's best for others and and having a love for God.
1: Well, and it's interesting that you know once again here, legalists are very picky and and particular about what they keep. Right, that they tithe the mint and the cumin and all this stuff, but they neglect the weightier things of God, like justice and almsgiving and the like, right? Right. And all of those things are for outward show, um, washing before you eat in a ritualistic way. And so these are things always to watch out for. And I think here, to bring us into our next segment, uh, verse 41 actually does that. So it's amazing how all this kind of ties together but rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. So, um, that is uh, looking forward to our Confound the Clerics. Well, why don't we go ahead? Right, Peter, play the intro. Confound the Clerics.
2: All right, so...
0: By the way, Peter... Oh, go ahead. By the way, Peter, am I uh, going to be okay? Did you Google, am I going to...
2: I couldn't find much. Okay. Uh, I don't want to alarm you, but it's depending on how long it's been sitting in there. It was probably some kind of mold because there's a lot of sugar in Arnold Palmer.
1: Okay. So that's kind of on you. You m- might want to go throw up or something. <laughs> that's
2: up to you, pal. I I mean, like I don't think
1: get it out of there. I
2: think you're probably gonna be okay. Your stomach is probably gonna be fine. It's just right.
1: a small amount. Well, that's basically penicillin. See it. Yeah. A, if you were drinking alcohol, it'd be okay. So,
2: yeah, it's just it's just you know, and it was just like really, it was just like, it's one, clump. Kombu- was just like right. one
1: clump. It was just like one clump. That should be the title of this: is the convention just one clump?
2: <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Oh yeah,
1: no. that that should be the. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: At least in All the right. in the show notes, say Bull Haggins' okay, so people don't worry.
2: Well, you know, I can't say that until right. you
0: know, right all right so so Berg back to the the important so your confounding Clarence cl- clerics is go ahead all right so I, apologize. Uh, I got a
1: couple questions here uh the first one is they they wanted me to ask well it's not really a, an a question but it's more um, discuss those that say cake is better than pie and why they're wrong okay so I can't eat either so <laughs> Peter do you have any strong feelings on this one
2: I think I would pro. I guess if I had to choose, I'd probably choose cake. Really? Why? Because I'm just not, I'm not like a huge fruit person. I think if I really enjoyed fruit more, I would, I would go more pie.
0: Like a peanut butter chocolate cream pie. That's good.
2: I mean, but that's not, that's not representative of all pies. It's not like a regulation pie, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like if, if you're thinking about a pie, it's got to be apple pie, basically. Okay. Like there's other pies, but like the default pie is apple pie. Just like the default cake is probably just birthday cake, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I I think I think pumpkin pie is that's my default. So, so the other uh, the other thing they wanted us to deal with was the tyranny of self declared weak Christians throwing their weight around and controlling other Christians. For example, you can't have alcohol in the fellowship hall because someone could be tempted to relapse into alcoholism. Another example, you can't discuss slavery because I'm a minority. You can't drink because I'm an alcoholic. Uh, That one they've actually heard. Yeah, so basically I wanted to deal with the topic of, quote-unquote, weak Christians, strong Christians. What does this actually mean? And it's great because Paul actually has a whole chapter in the book of Romans on this, Romans chapter 14. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, I think this actually has applications to a lot of things that are going on uh, in the world today and might actually help us kind of navigate some of these waters, like with the Budweiser boycott, for example. Okay. So should we start at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. Place to start. All right. So who are the weak? Okay. That's the first question we actually have to ask. So, could Romans we, 14.
0: You want me to read that, Berg? Yeah, so if you'd read that, that'd be great. Um, so, uh, as for, this is verse 1, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while a weak person eats only vegetables. Let not one who eat, eats despise one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is, in his, it is before his own master that he stands or fails, and he will be upheld. The Lord is able to make him stand. All right. Is that far enough, or do you want me to keep going?
1: No, that's good. That's a good place to start. So Paul starts off with receive the one who is weak in faith. So we have to talk about who is weak in faith. Well, one group that is not weak in faith are the Judaizers of the Bible. The weak are not those who say that you must first become a Jew in order to become a Christian. And St. Peter's words in Acts chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, are very clear here. God made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And, The whole book of Galatians shows how to deal with Judaizers, those who say you must follow the Old Testament laws uh, and the like in order to be a Christian. Um, Guys, you know, people like the Seventh-day Adventists, for example, who say you must worship on Saturday, that you can't eat pork or shellfish. And Joel Osteen actually said this too. He said that he can't eat ham sandwiches. And what you do with such people is is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 12. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. What? So who are the weak? The weak are true Christians who do not fully understand Christian liberty. They're fearful Christians, lest they do wrong in something of which they are not sure. So these are timid people. These are people who are afraid of making a mistake. They don't want to misstep. And we see it in three different ways in Romans chapter 14. Okay, so, see it I- so uh, oh, go ahead.
0: So when you talk about that then um, there are we Christians who in the sense of maybe not knowing or understanding, but they are seeking to be pious. Like Christians should be, right? They they right. don't they don't want to do anything wrong. And so um, especially if you're dealing with uh Romans You know, there's so many things that what's right, what's wrong, and so many things could be viewed offensive, and it was probably time not like on today, where everyone gets offended at everything.
1: Right. And these are Christians who get caught up primarily in the externals. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Just like the Pharisees did. This is why Jesus castigates the Pharisees when they're like, oh, teacher, you didn't wash before you ate. So? Your, your inside is dirty, <laughs> right? Your heart right. is unclean. Especially so mine not matter right now. <laughs> You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the thing, is uh, these Christians primarily focus on external things uh, and believe that in and of themselves, these external things cause sin. So, for example, uh, meat is brought up in Romans chapter 14. Now, these could perhaps be the old ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, but perhaps these Christians are afraid to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. That's something that we, we're we going to talk about a little bit more in the applications today because our entire society has become so politicized that um, what you buy and what you eat actually reflects certain political and or religious views today. Right. And so in some ways, we are actually really living— much closer to the Roman Empire than we are to 16th century uh, Reformation stuff, okay
0: I, I have an example I give an example of that that something that when I was it's less now, but uh, when I was very first a pastor, this was kind of a thing, right so if you went to a district convention, for example if if you wore your collar to a district convention it meant one thing if you wore a tie it meant another and so yeah so one day I, I wore, a, a a collar, and some people said eh, I'm kind of disappointed in you, Carl. And then the next day I wore ties, so I kind of disappointed in you, Carl. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs>
1: yeah, and isn't that isn't that the way, right? <laughs> that people are judging by external things. That well, and we'll get into that here a little bit later, right? So meat was a big thing, right? Because most meat that was eaten was sacrificed to idols. Because meat wasn't nearly as common as it is today. And so if you were eating meat, you were more than likely eating meat that was sacrificed to false gods. And these Christians wrestled with the question, well, am I participating in the worship of these false idols if I'm eating this meat, right? Right. So uh, the second one is special days. These Christians esteemed one day above another— these weak brethren considered it necessary to observe special days to the Lord. They were afraid that if they didn't do this, the Lord would be displeased with them and that they would endanger their their faith. So they considered celebrating these particular days uh, essential for their own spiritual well-being. Another one are teetotalers, those who don't drink alcohol. And this is especially in verse 21, where it says, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. Now, chapter 14 does not give us the reason why some felt it was wrong to drink wine, but it could be because many people were actually abusing wine by overindulgence, and so they felt that the use itself was wrong. And we don't see this so much anymore. In fact, I think we almost see the opposite. I actually got a meme today where it said that breakfast for theologians was uh, a bottle of bourbon and uh, a carton of cigarettes, right? Right. (laughs) Um, You know, (laughs) people talk about beer as the Lutheran beverage, and so I think we've almost gone to the other extreme that way. And I think that's definitely worth talking about, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, so the weakened faith in— you know, in general, are those who do not have a clear and full understanding of Christian liberty in the things that are neither commanded nor forbidden in the Scriptures. So could so on the on the other hand,
0: uh, do you think it could be weak in the sense of temptation? Some people have more temptations than others. Well, we'll get to
1: that, won't we? Okay. <laughs> Foreshadowing. So, indeed right? Uh, what are doubtful things or opinions, I think, as your translation said? Uh, these this these things are anxious reflection or doubts. And this is a doubt about what we call adiaphora. It's a big word, $2 word, so we'll define it. Adiaphora means indifferent things, things that are not commanded by God nor forbidden. And Jesus actually talks about this already in in the Gospel of Mark, and we heard it in our reading from Luke 11. Jesus said to his disciples, Are you thus also without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not enter his heart but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods? And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. And it's the same way with the external observation of the Sabbath. And that is subordinated to the justice or righteousness of serving the neighbor. Like when Jesus said in Luke 6, 9, I will ask you one thing, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil, to save life or to destroy, right? Mm-hmm. So adiaphora are those things that are not, they are neither commanded by God, nor are they forbidden by God. There are certain things that are forbidden by God. Like, for example, um, sex out of marriage is forbidden by God, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Ten commandments, just <laughs> go yeah, through. Yeah, just ten commandments, right? I mean, this is pretty easy stuff, right? So, now we've talked about doubtful things, so let's talk about Christian freedom. What is Christian freedom? Well, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21-22. through Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. This is what Jesus was talking about in the Wednesday reading of this text right if you can't handle mammon which is the least of things how will you handle true riches because all things are yours all things all pastors, the world life death everything is yours in christ
0: do, do you think paul do you think go uh ahead. do you think a lot of this though is paul basically saying guys just use your common sense here <laughs> you know well seek seek to to uh, obviously love and do what's best for your neighbor um and don't lo- lord lord it over others and be considerate to people going through things i mean my, you
1: know i think that's part of it but i think too we have to remember like what paul is saying here is not common sense like all things are mine right mm-hmm And I think that radical freedom needs to be preached, that the Christian is Lord over all things, subject to none. But what's the other part of that that Luther talks about in his On a Freedom of a Christian? The Christian is also a dutiful servant to all. Right. Right? So, uh, and this gets to your other point with temptation. 1 Corinthians 6.12, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And this deals with the self. What is the worst kind of slavery? It is slavery to self. It is slavery to one's own passions. It is slavery to drink or to money or to fame or uh, to seeking the best places in the synagogue or the like, right? Yep. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are actually beneficial or helpful to me. And then it's interesting because Paul says that in Romans, in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, but then he says it again in First Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians ten twenty three. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. And so there he's not just talking about the self, but he's actually talking about others too. Not all things build up. They don't build up in myself. They don't build up in other people. So, uh, you know, in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He says the same thing in verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So, Christians are free. All things are ours. All things belong to us. All things are clean to us. All things are lawful for us, as St. Paul says. But not all things are beneficial to me because they might put me back under the slavery of sin. Not all things are beneficial to others. Not all things edify them, and not all things are loving and serve them. Do you have anything Yeah, so I think
0: it it goes back to the question of... uh, what is what is it that is the most loving thing to, to my neighbor while understanding the freedom? Because that's what the gospel does. It changes us so that we are less concerned about whether um, I'm saved or not. Christ has answered that question. You are redeemed in Christ. You are baptized in his name. Not free to keep sinning, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 6, but buried and raised with him, and so this changes your motive, your outlook on on what is more beneficial uh, for my brothers. What is beneficial to keep me mindful of of my place uh, in the world around me, my vocations, and that it's almost, in a way, it, it considers uh, just like Christ did, uh, where he came to this world. He could do a, you know, we anything he wanted but he chose his father's will and he chose to think of others first um, uh, because That's, that's what, true
1: but also, I mean, so how does that play out in life? Do you simply submit all the time? And I guess that's that's really the question that is being right. asked here, right? Okay, no Okay
2: <laughs> Keep going
0: <laughs> the, Meaning that uh, uh, is is it beneficial? For example, if it allows someone to live in a delusion, is it beneficial for them? If if it allow, right. if it if it is, uh, pushes ideas and thoughts uh, that uh, drag people away from
1: God's word, then no. And I think that's what why Jesus doesn't wash his hands. In the text from Luke eleven, it's an adiaphron, right? Mm-hmm. It's neither commanded by God nor forbidden. But he deliberately doesn't wash his hands, so that way he can actually have a conversation with this Pharisee, because this Pharisee is actually stealing Christ's glory, right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens today, too. Right. And, and it, so— and, uh, Can I give some is,
0: examples that uh, that I, uh, we, I think from the behind-the-collar yeah. moments that we see this is— uh, um, Certain times, say when you're a first pastor, right, uh, there's all sorts of things that a new pastor wants to do and things that are very edifying to him that the congregation uh, does not yet understand. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, so a pastor thinks, now this, I think this is good and edifying to me and uh, very lawful for me to do certain things in the divine service, but my congregation isn't there yet. Would that be an example of application that a, a new pastor would go through?
1: I think it's a great ap- application. And so, like, once again, I think if you're strong, then you actually need to do the hard work of exegeting or interpreting that person before you deal with them, right? Mm-hmm. First, you have to find out if they're actually weak, or are they a Judaizer? Are they someone who demands that you do this particular thing external thing that so that way you're saved right mm-hmm. or are they someone who d- who doesn't understand Christian freedom so if they are weak do they have an erring conscience? are they just simply ill-taught and they're in the predicament that they sin if they do and they sin if they don't like for example with the praying to Saints, is the one that comes up pretty, you know, obviously, right? Right. Or um, refusing to take the blood of Christ under the wine in the Lord's Supper. Now, these people are in a, quite a predicament, because if they take wine, they think they're sinning, right? Mm-hmm. But if they don't take wine, they're actually sinning against the institution of our Lord, right? Right. It, it, the
0: same thing, this is the, the, an example that Jesus dealt with, is uh, when he would heal on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. where they the argument was, well, you're sinning, but then Jesus says, well, if which of you has an uh, an ox that falls
1: falls into the ditch, will you not help him? Are you? <laughs> well, and this is where too, verse fourteen of Romans is very important. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean to him, it is unclean. And so our attitude towards things actually does make a thing unclean or sinful. Right. And that's especially bad when it has to deal with things like the Lord's supper. Right. Mm -hmm. So for example, wine, I can't drink wine. Well, Jesus Commanded that we actually have bread and wine. Those are the elements that he used, right? Right. So, what do we do? We correct an erring conscience with the proper instruction in God's Word, right? But if it's a uh, if it's
0: outside of the uh, the Lord's Supper, and someone's at a at a gathering, and in their mind they think I'm sinning against God if I drink wine, uh, where it's not necessarily an offense in that setting, to the Lord's Supper. And they truly believe that by doing though so, it betrays what they think is good in the sight of the Ten Commandments. Well, then this is saying, well, then don't do it if it's going to ask you to do something against what you believe God says not to do. Does that make sense? Right.
1: And that's why I wanted to bring up the erring conscience first, because it's a quite a predicament because you're kind of— you sit, you're sinful if you do, and you're sinful if you don't. And I wanted to use the Lord's Supper because, you know, if you want to be a teetotaler outside of the Lord's Supper and that's what you believe, I'm not going to judge you or hold you in contempt. Right. That's not something I'm going to do. But you can't have grape juice. You can't. This is against God's word. And we shouldn't have it. Yeah. And unfortunately, there are pietistic uh, Lutheran church bodies out there that actually do this. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and they think, so,
0: in, they, in their mind, they're doing it for for the sake of conscience and for the sake of of trying to follow God's will. But they on the other hand, uh, they're not following God's will.
1: <laughs> exactly. They're actually sinning. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing. And that's why we always have to correct an erring conscience with instruction in God's word, right? Mm -hmm. So the next one is a probable conscience, right? This is where you're not sure which path to take, and a sin against a probable conscience is the one who neglects the safer way. What you do is you you inquire diligently about what the safer way actually is, right? To avoid sin. Uh, a doubting conscience, and this comes up in Romans 14, 23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. We talked a lot about that uh, a couple episodes ago, right? hmm That even eating is an act of faith, and anything that doesn't happen from faith is sin. And so we must wait until the doubt is cleared up, right? hmm Right. And the other—so— we exegete them, we interpret them, we find out where they are, and we receive them. That's what Paul says: receive them, and do not show contempt. Don't look down on them. Don't look down on them or think that their concerns are insignificant or worthless, because they're not. Verses three. It, it, 10, it, it's and one 14, of those. Situ-
0: it's one of those situations where. Um, um, how often do we get an argument with someone, or someone gets an argument with someone? Um, and, uh, and, uh, their recollection of event is wrong, right? Um, mm-hmm. and they're upset. And, uh, and so you, you think, well, well, they, there's, they it's silly for them to be upset. So I'm just going to disregard the fact that they're upset because they shouldn't be. It doesn't
1: make any sense, but they're upset. <laughs> right. And we need to know too, that sin is not just an objective action or thought but if you know as Paul says here, if people believe something to be unclean or a sin to him it is a sin right and that's that's powerful I mean that's something that we should keep in mind because if you're if
0: you're willing to do something that you think is an open rejection of what of God's will, And you you consider that and you say, I want to do it anyways, and you do it. Then when you come to something where it does say that, and it is true, it reflects, well, I'm going to go ahead and do that too. Because we're always looking. On the one hand, there's two sides to this coin. On the one hand, uh, we are always looking for... uh, The following the law to the the furthest degree. On the other hand, if it's something we really like, we look for the the excuse, we look for the open window, we look for...
1: um, The opportunity of the flesh, as Paul says. Right, right. And that's what it is, right? And so the last point here is, handle your brother carefully as they learn God's word and the meaning of Christian freedom. So verses 15 and 16 deal with this really well. If your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. So, like, if you can avoid scandalizing them or causing them to stumble while you are teaching them, that is the best thing, right?
0: Yeah, I think this is—I like this discussion in this sense, Berg, um, is— Uh, In the last five years, uh, everything becomes an an argument, Um, and everything becomes, whose side are you on? Yeah. Um, For example, um, uh, even before the pandemic, um, in a lot of churches, having a flag in the sanctuary becomes a really hot topic. (laughs) Uh, Right. Because it seems a lot of places— when you start, I know some pastors who had that discussion with the congregation, maybe we shouldn't have flags right there by the altar. But then that happened right at the same time that uh, athletes were refusing to, to stand for the flag and kneeling for the flag. And all of a sudden, right. that just threw gasoline on the whole discussion, as if to say, well, maybe not by having the flags by the altar, we're not desecrating the flag. We're just saying it has a proper place, and that isn't it. But... But for many, it became, whose side are you on?
1: Um, Right. And to extricate some of these things, to have an honest discussion about them, and I've dealt primarily if you're strong dealing with a weak person, uh, but there's another side to this too. St. Paul also says that the weak should not judge their stronger brothers— Right? And yeah, Romans so, so, Ch- yeah you so, know, so... Three and four. Like, so if you're, you know, if your fellow Christian likes to have a beer, or if he says, look, the flags are just a cloth of paper, you know, just a cloth. They're not really, you know, they don't really say anything. And in fact, they shouldn't be in the church because, you know, flags denote sovereignty and the United States is not over the church. Right. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, you shouldn't judge them for being un-American. Or <laughs> it's interesting. There's a pastor in our district at one point. He was telling us this a uh, number of years ago. He was called a Muslim by one of his members because uh, he didn't do this. It was actually his predecessor who took the flags out of the, you know, out of the sanctuary, and he marched him back in and called the new guy a Muslim. Hmm. Well, was so, he was he wearing it on his head? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, you know these these things are Peter shaking his head. <laughs> these these things get pretty uh, uh heated, right? But you yep. shouldn't judge your stronger brothers uh, because they understand Christian freedom better than you.
0: And by the way, there there is uh also though, I think um a, sometimes a, a lutheran piety that says you know i'm going to prove how how not under the law i am by smoking three packs a day and and drinking beer every opportunity
1: i get <laughs> okay and what would we call that a weaker <laughs> we would actually call that using your liberty as an opportunity right. for the flesh right right and i i know and this is a behind the collar moment i know of pietistic Lutherans. These guys are the weaker brothers. They have studied at our seminaries. We have a lot to offer them. And yet, because we say, well, you have to drink or you're not a true Lutheran, or and we, and we might not say it, but we give the impression that we do that, we scandalize these guys. Right. If they don't drink, great. And that's the thing. If we drink and we get drunk... We're sinning. That's what God says. Right. We shouldn't do
0: that. I mean, if behind the collar, if if a lot of the lay people saw we're just sitting out of where pastors are talking at a pastor's conference, like at 1030
1: at night. (laughs) Yeah, it probably wouldn't be a good thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, the other thing that We Christians need to do is they need to learn what Christian freedom is, right? Verse 19, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and for the things by which one may edify another, right? So if you're a weak Christian and you don't understand Christian freedom, learn it, read the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And if you cannot, due to temptations, imbibe or eat and must discipline your body, do it with a convinced mind. And serve God by faith. That's exactly what verses 5, 12 and 22 say. Let each one, each be con, fully convinced in his own mind. verse 12 so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. verse 22 do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. It, it, Paul seems to understand here that
0: uh, one thing that's interesting is that we're all wired differently.
1: Right, I mean, he, you know, and that's, oh, a a pa- that's a good yeah, thing. That's a good pa- thing. A, a pastor who actually understands human nature, wild. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I right? mean, I mean, uh, I mean the the
0: church needs Bullhagens and Bergs, right? <laughs> Maybe
1: Bullhagens. <laughs> no, we need Bergs too. <laughs> I'm a snowflake. I'm one of a kind. <laughs>
0: Um, Peter, how are we doing on time? Because uh, the, the I think the application part should uh, maybe be reserved for the next episode because that's we're only halfway through.
2: Um, I would say we could maybe go for another 10 or 15 if you want.
1: We'll leave the contemporary applications for next time. So, so Berg, the uh, applications are going
0: to be endless for this, and we'll, we'll talk about this on the next episode, but you want to give just like a little teaser of how this might come, a, a little teaser for next episode of how... The contemporary applications of this might be seen.
1: All right, I'll give you a couple words: Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, and Bud Light. Ooh. So, tune in. Same clerical time. Same clerical channel.
0: And by the way, listener, we will we will be having a more, even more update on the convention next time.
2: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two.
0: Stay, assuming I'm still living. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, did you have a question from Hannah? Yeah. Do you want to? Do you hear that short, question? Sure, we can do that. Yeah. Let's do that. So, Hannah writes.
0: Um, she says first of all, always lightning to hear the uh, the Greek uh, behind familiar English translations. Thanks for that in this week's episode, Pastor Berg. This was a the time before. My question that requires a peek at the Greek uh, is about Galatians 6, 2 through 5. Bear one another's burdens. And this actually goes right along with your discussion, I believe. The ESV reads, And so fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse 5, For each will have to bear his own load. So what's the Greek here that renders these verses complementary rather than contradictory. So she says it, it kind of sounds like it's contradictory where it says, uh, bear one another's burdens uh, and fulfill the law of Christ for each will have to bear his own load. Who's who's bearing the burdens? Each other? Are you bearing each other's burdens or will you have to bear, bear your own load? And to me, your discussion that you've already had almost answers that from that point of view. But uh, this is Galatians 6. You got it fired up there, Berg?
1: Getting there. Just one minute. All right. All right. Which one? Which which verses is she saying? Uh,
0: Two through five. And so to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then uh, later it says in verse five. So the verses are two and five. For each will have to bear his own load.
1: All right. The uh, Greek here, you know, for bear one another's burdens is... Bastatse, it's an imperative to carry or bear. And then burdens is... uh... Uh, Baras, weight or burden. So, you know, bear one another's weights or burdens. It's really close to the same word. So it's baras, bastatse. And then... um, that we should uh, bear one another's loads. Once again, it's bastase. It's bastase. We will have to bear. And then the word here changes to foration, which is really interesting here. Give me half a second and I can look that up here. Um, what the difference will be. Uh, the load. You said it's. Uh, so rather than baras, the word changes to f- foration. Right. And so and so I'll sure. give
0: you an example of that word it says um, and when it says you ha- one has to bear his own load that's the same word that Jesus used in Matthew in Matthew chapter 11 where he says my uh, easy is my burden my burden is light and so it's interesting how when in that instance when he's talking about bearing your own burden we remember that Christ carried that burden when it comes to yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, part of the argument here, of course, you know, without doing a lot of research on it, just doing it in part, it's interesting that the the word changes, but this phaterion is actually from the word pharaoh to carry or to bear. Um, And it seems like Paul here is presenting us with a choice. Either we can bear one another's burdens— and uh, thus fulfill the law of Christ, just as Christ fulfilled our burdens, and we begin to fulfill so, the law in this as life, you look that up, I, I do think um,
0: part of it is uh, the context. So, brothers, if one is caught in any transgression, uh, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted too. So, in that context, it's talking about bearing each other's burdens, to consider and love one another. Uh, so thus fulfilling the law of Christ in that sense bearing a burden for the sake of others, of being watchful and mindful and loving um, to, to uh, uh, I think it goes back to the stronger um, brother
1: it r- aspect. right it all it all goes together. You know really there's this dichotomy. It's like either you bear the burdens of others and thus fulfill the law of Christ, which we can do in this life partially because of the work of the Holy Spirit and sanctification and the like. We actually do begin to fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love your neighbor. The other option is is that you bear your own load. And that's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, yeah, good question, Hannah. Uh, it's interesting that the word changes from um, bast- from, uh, from Bastos to uh, kind of a Pharaoh sort of a word you know and so there is a change there and I think it shows the dichotomy of uh, either you fulfill the law of Christ and bear one another's burdens or you bear your own burdens before God and that's no bueno so all right. well that brings us to the conclusion of our
0: show Uh, thank you for listening I'm Bull Hagen I'm Berg and may your Arnold Palmer be non-clumpy thank you for joining us this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, On Twitter, at p for podcast. Or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time. Hi, I'm Matt Harrison. Matt Harrison Hi, I'm Matt Harrison Matt 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 Harrison President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod President 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 of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod President The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod And you're listening to
1: Clerical Errors Podcast.